0: And also, I've learned to actually work better. An interesting thing, I think I worked so many hours when I was younger, not because necessarily a workaholic or a crazy person, <laughs> but I, I think I was <laughs> undisciplined. And oh, people sure. say, you're the most disciplined guy I've ever met. Not really. When you don't think you need to go home or when you don't think you need to stop, you don't work smart. You, if there's no stop time, you take more time than you need. If you're there for 10 hours or 15 hours or whatever it is, any any of us, how many hours are you actually working? And so if you tighten up your day and actually work the hours that you're there, you can go home a lot quicker.
1: Welcome, my friend. This is the weekend edition of the Coaching for Pastors podcast. This is Weekend Edition number 31. Welcome, Pastor. It is the weekend. It's If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, it's a Saturday. I love Saturdays. Actually, I love Fridays more, but Saturdays are a, a close second. Today, we have a conversation with Dan Ryland, the author of the book Amplified Leadership, The uh, one of now the executive pastors at 12 Stone Church in the Atlanta, Georgia area, former executive pastor for John Maxwell, and formerly vice president of the Enjoy uh, Ministries in Atlanta, which was John Maxwell's ministries. Dan Ryland has been on my 200 Churches podcast many, many times. This is one of the conversations we had with him that was one of my favorite because there were no notes. We did not give Dan any notes. We wanted to talk to him about life and ministry and ask him some informal questions off the cuff and just kind of delve into who Dan is, what, is, what does he do every day? How does he manage his ministry? How does he manage his family time? Uh, how does he uh, lead staff members? And so this is just kind of a QA and a with Dan, but it's it's one of my favorite episodes with him. And honestly, I believe we had about 20 episodes with Dan Ryland. So, I'm going to play this one for you and then I'll catch up with you on the back end. Dan, good morning. How are you doing?
0: Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Johnny. I'm doing really well. Dan, we're going to do we're going to do something
1: we haven't done with you in the past, and that's just kind of talk off the cuff because as we've gotten to know you we're we're pretty excited about you know the things that you the things that you've done and particularly you've kind of spent your life mentoring and helping other pastors and particularly pastors within the churches you've served in so i mean you've been mentoring and coaching all of your uh, ministry life and as Johnny and I were talking, as we've gotten to know you, we've never really talked about personal stuff in terms of you and your ministry. So let me kick it off with one question that I think a lot of us small church pastors can can learn from these questions. So the first one would be, how do you stay balanced in a very busy ministry? You know, what is your routine?
0: That's a great question. Uh, Unfortunately, I think probably a number of people who know me would consider me imbalanced, but nonetheless, uh, that's the psychological thing. Let me go to your question and and say uh, candidly, but with with passion, I really don't believe in balance. I've actually never met a great leader yet, and I've been exposed to some of the best and, and been mentored, coached. I just don't Think balance. I've never met a great leader who's balanced. I do believe in rhythm. There's a rhythm to life that makes sense. It's a, it's kind of a dynamic rhythm. If you would imagine kind of this fulcrum with this pendulum that swings back and forth across the fulcrum, uh, I think we, our life is based on rhythms that we swing out back and forth. And and we, we swing out and get things done. We swing out to the other side and get things done. And, for example, if you think about uh, vacation, there's nothing balanced about vacation. You take two weeks and abandon all responsibilities and do nothing, you know? Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so, but the key is you're swinging back to the cross center. You're always swinging back and making connection with center. And And the problem is a lot of guys swing out. Um, whatever it might be, whatever their obsession is, whatever their passion is, and they don't swing back and they don't know what their center is. They don't know uh, how, how to keep that rhythm going, whether it's a daily rhythm or a weekly rhythm or like I mentioned, a, a, a vacation rhythm. For me, now this is just me, uh, my my center is, it has for twenty-five or thirty years been based on two things, and clearly, two things you can set your clock on them: it's prayer and exercise.
1: Yeah, um, you uh, mentioned that in a recent episode. I did. But, okay. But, yeah, but but we didn't talk about it at all. It was just a kind of an aside.
0: Well, so there it is. I mean, I think that my if I if I don't have my prayer time, or if it's not long, or if it's uh, just not connecting, or if I miss uh, my run uh, for the day, uh, I'm just off off kilter. I'm the 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 rhythm isn't there. My my family, the, just who I am and how I behave, and all that kind of comes out of that that center. And I think it's what's great and important is for you know you, and Johnny, and the listeners, and pastors, and people in general. What what is your center? What keeps you balanced? What is it for you? That keeps that dynamic balance lined up or dynamic rhythm lined up, and let's go ahead and return back to the word you started with. That produces a balanced life.
2: So you've had your prayer time and your run. Uh, you get to work. What What do you What's like the first thing that you do with your day? What's your kind of daily routine?
0: Well, here's what's interesting. Why Why I perceive at least for, again for me. Why I need that That kind of Uh, that those things that I can count on those two things because most of my days don't look alike. I, they're, they're full, they're fast. One day might be have four or five hours of writing a leadership lesson. One day might have six, seven or eight hours of people appointments Another day might be uh, administrative, you know, people running in, lots of emails, there's constant, uh, the, you know, lots of interruptions with uh, over 130 or whatever people on staff. And that's my part of one of my larger responsibilities. You can imagine there's a lot of questions, a lot of things going on, a lot of changes happening. So things are moving quickly. And so while I can tell you on, on the centering part, you, it's like a a clockwork the rest of my week looks like it's like mannequin out of control (laughs) (laughs) so so uh what i try to do in between those the the schedule and the appointments and the things that get added in and the writing times and the the drop-ins and the emails and is i i do try to build in and i wasn't good at this when i was younger i try to build in some margins because the margins always get filled. For example, if we're going to recording here together for an hour, I'll try to have uh, Leslie not book something for the next 15 minutes. Because that's a chance for me to return a call or hit an email or two or three staff members might say, hey, can I just see him for 30 seconds or whatever it might be. I used to have no margins built in for anything, and I would get so backlogged, and I couldn't jot a note or answer an email or set up an appointment or do anything. So, um, again, I think it's more in the practices, more than what does my day look like. And I think putting in small margins throughout the day is a really great practice.
1: Now, Dan, I'm curious. You said you have 130 staff, and I was thinking to myself, how how do you personally, how do you keep track. What systems have you set up? How do you keep track of 130 people? Uh, What systems have you set up? I mean, because some of them you're seeing more than others. Some of them are over some of the others. Just talk to us about that.
0: Well, sure. The first place it starts is I have eight direct reports and the entire staff reports to one of those eight people. Okay. And so i pour the majority of my time into the eight and then there's uh group time there there are group times where i'm doing leadership training where i have everyone in a group and then there are mid-sized connects where um, um I I might meet with somebody else for a training moment or a coaching moment or a clarity moment or a communication moment. But those are always driven it with connection to the eight. They always know what's going on. Of course, any of them can do a, a walk-in or a drop-in or something. But the glue uh, that keeps all of that from being sort of a random hocus-pocus like fluid make-it-up-as-you-go <laughs> uh, is our maps. Um, we have uh, a, a well thought out system and plan where uh, the, the, the staff have a map, a ministry action plan, and with three really clear parts. And we don't, I, I think we've talked about this. We don't have to go into super detail here, but it kind of in the net net is their job descriptions, their goals, and their leadership development plan. So, because we stay up on those and we can review them quickly and we can send notes and we have leadership language play kind of leadership playbook language we use, we know how to uh, we have um, system like system playbook language coaching that we can get to things quicker. Um, that's how we f- actually find things and discover things because as you can imagine with a, uh, a staff of that size things can get lost in the cracks things can get dropped you can miss things you, there are people where you know there might be a part-time 15-hour children's staff person and i walk down the hall and i say who's that you know right and that, right that, but but the systems help us keep up
1: so you might run into bob and hey good morning bob how's your uh, act for your mpi doing And he'll know exactly what you're saying.
0: (laughs) Well, I hope it's not quite that mechanical, but... I was thinking,
2: you guys are a fine-tuned machine over there, man.
0: Yeah, not quite like that. I mean, with a group that considers sarcasm a spiritual gift, we're not quite like that. (laughs) But, but, uh... But it's
1: common language. You have common language that represents the major values of your church.
0: Well, we have common language that represents the values. We have common language that represents leadership development. For example, let's take the mystery out of this. One of our playbook languages are Maxwell's five levels of leadership. Everybody on the team knows exactly what the five levels are. Everybody knows what they're working on. Everyone would know if a guy is or a gal is struggling. They would know exactly what level they're struggling on. Uh, we use our, the amplified leadership the ten skill sets we know clearly what the ten are we know what skill a, a leader might be working on for his or her, his or her development but so that's what I mean by playbook language five levels or the amplified leadership kind of thing Um we would use a, like a Patrick lenciani the the um, uh, the five dysfunctions of a team, great teamwork language. That, so when you're when everybody is sort of studied and they they get what they're talking about, you don't have to spend a whole bunch of time refiguring out something all over again.
1: And how much language are you using? I mean, you, okay, so you gave us just three group, you know, three sets of things. Uh, yep. Where do you where do you stop with something like that? Because. And here's why, because as pastors, we get bombarded with, hey, here's this new thing, and here's that new thing, and oh, so-and-so just came out with this, and you know, it's all good, but where do you begin and where do you stop with that kind of stuff?
0: Well, That's a great question and a really good insight, because you can get too much. Um, the two The two leadership ones I mentioned are the two primary ones we use. The, the team one is a kind of a secondary. We don't use it as much, but we're very familiar. In terms of the playbook language, it stops there. Now, when it goes to values and DNA, we have a couple other three sets of words and phrases we've used that don't come from books and things that we've written. And, and so in terms of DNA and values, um, we have, there are two sets of three. And then the whole thing in terms of how much, how much do you guys really do with all that? That's it. It's in terms of playbook stuff, it stops there.
1: Okay. Johnny, you got a question. I'm, I got a hog in all the airtime here. I got a question.
0: <laughs> how many
2: hours do you work a week and and how has your work changed? You're an empty nester now. Is that right? I am. How has your work schedule changed f- now from when you had kids at home?
0: My wife and I, Patty and I, we've been married 33 years and, um, I love to say we've, in 33 years, we've never, ever, ever considered divorce. Uh, murder, yes, but never divorce. <laughs> You're <laughs> and, getting
2: out. That's yeah, how it's happening. Yeah, yeah.
0: So um, when we, and, uh, we were married eight years before we had kids. Which was really good because we're both type A, uh, pretty driven people. And I think in God's kindness and his mercy, he spared us from having kids super early because we were just gone and running a lot. So,
1: spared the kids.
0: Spared the kids, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so, and then another blessing because context is everything. So context point one is, you know, we were married eight years first. And context two is grandma and grandpa have always lived across the street all of our lives. Oh, Wow. And, And they've literally followed us and moved us. And some people would say, ah, no, go away. (laughs) But they've actually been a wonderful gift, and we're very grateful. They're both 81 now and still pop jogs five miles a day. He walks five miles a day. And so uh, so those are two contextual things that will help maybe absorb the fact that I, when I was younger, uh, definitely workaholic type. And I would put in 60 or 70 hours, no problem at all. And and too much, too, but I just have a lot of energy and love what I love what I do, but uh, too much. And I think as I've matured and kind of figured some things out, I've dropped my hours down to about 50. Um, That would be my more consistent number these days, and also I've learned to actually work better. Um, an interesting thing, I think I worked so many hours when I was younger, not because necessarily a workaholic or a crazy person <laughs> but i i think i was undisciplined and oh, people sure. say, you're the most disciplined guy i've ever met not really when you don't think you need to go home or when you don't think you need to stop you don't work smart you if there's no stop time you take more time than you need yeah and so uh, and then i think when you get honest about how, if you're there for ten hours or fifteen hours or whatever it is, any any of us, how many hours are you actually working? And so, if you tighten up your day and actually work the hours that you're there, you can go home a lot quicker, and be with your family and and spend more time with them. But then, when you go home, you got to be honest about that too. Are you really with your family? Right. And so, for me now, answering your question, Johnny, it'd be more like fifty hours okay. and the difference now is um, i have I do a little bit more uh, work at, in my home office in the, a couple of quieter hours in the morning, so I might not even be in until ten sometimes nine or ten because i'm you know I've got prayer exercise and some quiet hours to start, and then i then I transfer here, come into my uh, office here. And then because I'm an empty nester, uh, I might take a break, you know, have dinner with my wife. We might go, you know, see a movie, do do whatever. But if I have a couple of hours in the evening, later at night, uh, my wife runs the cafe here at the church. And so she might be, literally, we might be just sitting there with the TV on, with our laptops open, doing doing a couple of emails. And we we have that margin now because the kids are gone and we've had Great time together. But that's the change. That's how I would say that it's changed for me at this point.
2: Okay, that's that's really good to know. And I think that that answers another question that I had, which is, you know, you, you write and, you know, you speak and, and you have a lot of things going on even outside of your work at 12 Stone. When, you know, when do you make time for that? Do you ever, do you ever carve out time in your office for personal projects, which is, you know, something that they talk about at Google and and different companies, you know, give people time to do personal projects? Or do you save that all for, for the morning and evening hours?
0: I, I personally save that all for the morning and evening hours. Um, I do that more of a practical thing. I I put the, that sort of that big mid block uh, with people because that's when they're available. And um, I should be quick to say, though, that 12 Stone is very generous to me. They're very good to me. And they would uh, allow me to, meaning Kevin and the board, they would allow me uh, quickly to do special projects during the day, to engage in some of this uh, stuff. Because part of it really is part of our vision. Part of the vision of 12 Stone is to help pastors and coach pastors and give ourselves away and be available. And they would be very generous with me to do that during the day. Uh, or even a personal writing project or next book or something, but just for me, um there's just too many people to see too many things going on, and that's when they're available, so I'll put those projects earlier in the morning and later at night sure
1: now dan i have uh, I have a question, and John Maxwell had a lesson where he talked about how many hours he expected from his staff, and he set that at sixty. I don't know if you remember that particular. Enjoy Life Club lesson. I do. But he said, and I remember listening to it, and he said, hey, baby, you know, we do 60 hours here, and he he outlined why. Would you, and and it was maybe a different day, you know, a different time, because this was probably 15 years ago, if not longer, when he would have recorded that. Would you recommend pastors who are adding staff, a pastor of a church of 200 who's ready to add one staff? So let's let's just make let's make it me and Johnny because I just went through this. Yeah, Um, I had had staff previous, uh, but he was older and now I've got a guy who's 28. Would you recommend that same uh, that same amount of time for a guy bringing a younger staff member on?
0: Well, I think Johnny should work eighty hours a week. Come on now, Dan. That's, the, that's <laughs> how long. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm trying to.
1: I'm trying to get him up to thirty six hours a week.
0: <laughs> okay. I've been listening uh, to Dave Jacobs
1: too I'm, much. I'm. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. That's <laughs> well, not true. Well,
0: I remember, and it was more like twenty some years ago when John did that tape. Okay. And, and he and I have talked about it since, and he wouldn't say that same number anymore. But that back then, he and I did say that. And the formula was was this, and it was a different day and a different era, and we both acknowledged that. But the formula was this. We believed that the men and women in the church were out in the in the business world, and they would put in 45 to 50 hours. Right, right. And then they would come to the church, and they would serve 10 hours a week. And yep. we said, we, we should do what they do. And so that's where it came from, and uh, that was a different era. And as I said, John would probably give a, a different word to that now and uh actually we would we would both laugh and say we don't have enough energy to do that many hours. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh um and so let me come to your question would we recommend that no and we would not we would not say that we, we would say i would say about 50 somewhere in that 50 hours but see to, to me it isn't That the the magic isn't the number of hours because different people have different size batteries, different people have different uh, amounts of margin for their age and stage. It's really about what you do with the hours. Uh, There are guys who, guys and gals, you, you know, in 35 hours, they'll outwork somebody who puts in 50. So at Twelve Stone, we really don't count hours; we measure productivity.
2: That's what I was just about to ask. If if you think ever more about end results over hours put in,
0: absolutely.
2: Because I'm always I always think in terms of results. What am I getting done? Not in terms of punching a clock.
0: Here's what we say to our staff once or twice a year: Kevin or I. Uh, We'll say to them, we will never, ever, ever do anything. We would never ask you to do anything. We would never do anything to cause you to hurt your family. But in return, don't ask us to dumb down the vision because you can't keep up. And it's a very open, honest relationship where we can say, well, look at Kevin's family. He he works the long hours and he works hard. And when he's here, he's really actually working. But he has a phenomenal (laughs) family. And you look at Dan's family, you look at so-and-so, you know, you you want to be close up and take a look. The kids are happy, things are great, the family's good, and they work really hard and long. So absolutely, we really don't track and measure hours. We don't track office time. We don't count. We don't measure. We look at productivity, and that goes back to the maps that we talked about. And if somebody does it in 38 hours, 0.629 minutes, we don't really give a rip. (laughs) You know, if somebody takes 50 hours to get it done, okay then then it took them fifty, and of course, there's an ebb and flow to it.
1: right. I have one last question for you because we're running we're running close to time here, but how successful have you been at helping a non-administrative staff pastor or ministry leader become more organized, more administrative? so we're going here to wiring natural giftedness, somebody who's just not wired because again, a lot of small church pastors are in that boat. They're just not wired for you know, high-intensity, high-complexity, administrative-type roles. So how successful have you been taking somebody who's really not, not wired for it and just helping them to become a little bit better?
0: I think I'm going to use the word better there. I, I think actually pretty successful in this way. The leadership coaching principle I use there is I don't want to make them different. I want to make them better. So I don't want to change their wiring. I'm not going to make somebody who um, is just the detail thing is just not their gear to all of a sudden. I don't, I don't want them different. I want them to be who they are, but there are some key things, some simple things they can do, whether it's as simple as um, a big, you know, being a little bit better of a list maker or a little bit better uh, on a couple of email tricks that they can do, or just a couple of things that would make them – ha- and they have to be simple tools. You can't, you can't give a non-administrative, non-detailed person things that are going to annoy them and drive them bats. Because, Amen. Amen, Dan. You, you really can't because they won't do it. They just won't do it.
2: Don't hand them note. Do not do it.
0: That's a fact, that's a fact. Give them something <laughs> really simple and show it, show them how it adds value. when you when you don't try to let me let me be quick here. When you don't try to make them different, but you try to make them better, you show them how it helps them, and you keep it really simple. I found that guys actually get better. Then, if they're productive and they're gifted and they're talented, we buttress their weakness by either bringing in a volunteer administrative help or bringing in uh, maybe part-time administrative help. But we don't do that. We never, ever, ever hire administrative help to make someone's life easier. We hire administrative help to make someone's life more productive.
1: That's great.
2: I like that. So when are we holding interviews, Jeff? Jeff? When when are you holding interviews
1: at Twelve Stone? After all these conversations, I don't think Dan is interested. Well, no, I'm interested I'm interested in sending you to Dan's ministry boot camp. Dan's ministry boot camp. Perfect. Dan, thank you so much for sharing with us. You're
0: welcome. My pleasure.
1: Well, there you go, Pastor, about twenty minutes and done. Tightly edited by me because I am a sound editing professional, and I want to hone in on one of his answers when he's talked about prayer and exercise. And I wonder, Pastor, what is it for you? What are the one or two or three things that you really need to do every day? And we've talked about this before. I've talked to you about this before. But what is it for you? What energizes you? What helps you to start your day well? Maybe to finish your day well. Maybe to, maybe to ensure that you're going to get the things done during the day that you need to get done. I wonder if there's something that you would say helps your day. For me, there's probably two things that I really need to do most days. I need to check in with my staff and I need to check in with you. So I, I need to get to the office. It's some, some days I'll work from home uh, for maybe half the day. But at some point, I'd like to see my staff. i just like to say, how are you doing? Anything we need to catch up on? I'd just like to check in with my staff. And then I like to check in with you, and I don't do that every day. seemed like maybe to you that I would, but I do batch these episodes together. But most days I will be online and I will check in and see what the topics of conversation are for pastors online, the small church pastor group online that Dave Jacobs has. I'll check that out. There are other pastor forums online and Facebook groups that I'll just pop into and see what is going on in the in the interests of pastors, what they're talking about, and what they're concerned about. So those are the two things that I like to do because those are my passion, my staff and the volunteers at my church, and then pastors around the country, around the world. I love to uh, see what they're talking about, and some of the concerns that they have, because then I like to be able to talk about them and address them on either one of the podcasts that I have. Pastor, it's good to talk with you today. I hope that you got some stuff from Dan's conversation with us, and I hope you have a great Saturday and Sunday this weekend, and I'll catch up with you Monday on the Coaching for Pastors podcast.